You all got to meet Andy. I know Andy's been here a number of times. Uh, Andy was here speaking last week. And so um, Bobby started working at Belfield with the CCO the same time Andy did. Um, and the three of us worked together for nine years. And uh, it was a joy and a delight. And um, she's I entering. I am a joy her- and a delight. <laughs> well, she, she is, you know, as you listen to her, um, the, the, and she, as she prepares to start her 17th year, right? Yeah. 17th year, that's crazy, uh, on campus working with, with college students at Pitt. Um, Bobby preached here many years ago, and let me tell you, every year when we surround this time, I'm like, hey, Bobby, can you preach? <laughs> hey, Bobby, and she's like, not this year. Hey, Bobby, can you preach? So we're so glad to have you here joining us this morning. Um, let me pray for you, and then I'll turn it over <clears> to you. Lord, thanks so much for Bobby and the friendship that over these years uh, that that you have cultivated in us. I pray that you would speak through her, anoint her lips uh, to to proclaim your word, and uh, may you uh, speak to us in the midst of it that we might know more about you and more about uh, the ways in which you have called us to live. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for inviting me back. So that is, um, I'm honored to be asked back. So um, yeah, it was great working with Chris. Um, Also, thank you for your word about legalism and grace. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And to Sarah's point, I'm really glad that God is not a cosmic cop because I tend to treat stop signs as more strongly worded suggestions. (laughs) So it would not be good. Um, But hey, so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 7 verses 18 to 28. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 28. Um, If you want to go ahead and turn there or get out your Bible app, I don't know, they may be on the screen, but that's where we'll be. Um, But before we dive in, I just want to share why I chose this passage. Um, So this passage has to do with John the Baptist being in prison. Um, Many of you know and have heard of John the Baptist, I'm sure. And when you think of John the Baptist, you might think of many different stories. Um, I know when I think of him, a lot of times it's literally baptizing Jesus. Like, that's a pretty big deal. I think about that. Maybe the fact that he jumped in his mother's womb when it was declared that the Messiah was to be born. Um, Or maybe the fact that he wore camel hair and ate crickets because, you know, that's not the best vibe (laughs) and it is really weird and it was weird back then. So I think about that a lot too. Um, But the reason I chose this one is because, yes, I think about those other passages because they're high points in his ministry, but I don't necessarily think about the lows and this is one of those times in his life. Um, So when Chris asked me to preach, I was like, you know, what have I been dwelling on lately? And truly, probably over the past year and a half, this passage is just something I keep coming back to, and it's just something that's really been speaking to me. And I think probably because the past few years have been some hard seasons. Um, I'm sure many of you in the past few years have had some hard seasons, especially since 2020. Um, And and even if you haven't, um, we know that hard seasons will come. Um, And it's in those times, like, what does it look like to to follow Christ in that? Um, So let's dive in and talk about some of the things that God has revealed in this passage. Um, So just to kind of set up what is happening before this, you know, John is doing the ministry that he's been given to do. And, you know, and sometimes we see in the Bible that comes with a lot of persecution, And so John was actually imprisoned um, at this time for telling Herod, the ruler at the time, that his marriage to his wife was illegal. Um, And they didn't want to hear that. 
um, as you could imagine, and so they threw him in jail. Um, and so in the midst of him being in prison, John gets word that Jesus is preaching, that people are following him, miracles are happening, amazing things are happening, and that's where we pick up. So let's read our passage again, Luke 7, 18 to 28. It says, John's disciples told him about all these things, meaning the miracles and the preaching. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you and who will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So here we go. John the Baptist is in prison. He was tr the one who was prophesied about and was called to literally prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And had an amazing ministry, had such a great ministry, he had actually had to tell people, don't look to me, I'm not the person you should be looking towards, you need to look to Jesus. That's how great things were going at one point. But now he's in prison for telling the truth, for being righteous. What an unjust thing to happen. And even though in all of scripture, he's the one who knew who Jesus truly was, you know, he he absolutely knew that this is who, that Jesus was the Messiah because of all of the things that he had experienced and he knew that he knew that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet, John still asked the question, are you the one who is to come or should I expect, or should we expect someone else? He still asked that question. And that's interesting because why would John of all people ask that question? But the fact is, is no matter who you are, if you are human, when hard times come, it's easy to begin to doubt what you know to be absolutely true, even though you know it. And this is where we see John in this place. But the interesting thing is, is that John doesn't just keep those doubts to himself. Um, he doesn't feel too ashamed to ask Jesus about it. Um, he actually confronts Jesus about it. He actually says, you know what, like he's bold enough to be like, I'm going to send people out to ask Jesus this question and, and find out. And so, you know, it would have been super easy for him to be like, I'm struggling, I'm doubting, I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me, what will others think, I'm not going to utter those words. 
And if you're anything like me, there's been times where you're just like, God, what is going on? But you might be too afraid to say them out loud because you don't want people to think a certain thing about you or you don't want God to be ashamed of you in any way. And so we, we keep it inside. It would have also been really easy for him uh, to talk to his friends, to talk to his followers, and to talk to them about it and leave Jesus completely out of it and for them to kind of have a meeting and draw their own conclusions without ever inviting Jesus into the conversation. And how often does that happen today? We have lots of conversations, talk about lots of things, draw lots of conclusions, and not necessarily invite Jesus into the conversation. And again, it can lead you to all kinds of conclusions in these hard seasons. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter how much you've seen Jesus do in the past. When we reach these points, sometimes it leads us to ask this question, are you the one or should I expect someone else? Should I expect something else? Is there someone else or something else that can fulfill me? Because right now, in this prison, whatever that looks like, it's not cutting it. And I need to ask this question. And so as we look to John in this, I also just want to encourage you, when you reach those points, don't keep those things to yourself. If John the Baptist is going to ask this question, I think it's safe to say that we're going to ask this question. And probably more than once. And so you do what you have. My encouragement to you is don't leave Jesus out of the conversation. Um, Confront him. Ask other people to, to be with you in that, not just make conclusions. So you scream, you beg, you be honest, you do whatever you need to do, but confront Jesus about what it is that you're going through. Um, yesterday, um, I was at a funeral for um, a wonderful woman. Her name's Rosie Wagner. She was a longtime member of our church, Belfield. Um, she retired from the CCO, the campus ministry I was a part of. And her husband got up and you know, one of the things, it was, it was probably the most uplifting funeral I've ever been to. Um, truly, I left there feeling great, which is odd to say, but I felt so much hope in the Lord after that. And her husband got up there, and the, the thing, one of the things that stood out to me, um, and I had already prepared this sermon, but I feel like it fits really well here, is he was like, you know, Rosie wasn't afraid to go to God with her wise. And it didn't mean that she was questioning her faith or that she didn't believe. She was 100% secure in that. But she was completely comfortable being like, God, why did I have to have MS? Why is this happening to me? What are you going to do with my family? What's going to happen? And so he said he learned so much just about what it is like to have an intimate relationship with God because of those things. And John the Baptist truly has that same relationship. And so he sends people to ask Jesus. Now, so what does Jesus respond with? So it said that Jesus had cured diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits had been cast out, the dead were raised to life, all of these things were happening. And so he tells them to go back to John and report what they had seen and heard, and then he quotes prophetic scripture from Isaiah. And he says, so 22 and 23, he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus' response to John is to quote the prophecy about himself. 
is to go back to the Old Testament and quote scripture to remind John that this is happening and this is what is foretold. This is what, like, this is how you know that's who I am. Jesus' response was the scripture, was the truth of the scripture. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, I often, that's not often what I want, (laughs) is not necessarily scripture. What I want is God to give me a very tailored, specific message that, you know, just speaks to me in every way I want to hear it um, without much effort on my part. That's how I want God to respond to my difficulties. And if I feel like I get that, I'm like, okay, God, you're real and I I hear you. But if it's just like, oh, I got to go read the Bible, like, (laughs) like a lot of times that's how we approach it, right? Um... And some, you know what, sometimes that happens. God's really amazing like that. Sometimes he will meet you right where you're at and you're like, wow, that was definitely for me. Or he'll have some friends come around you and they'll speak into your life in a way that you're like, okay, like I needed to hear that. But here's the thing, more often than not, I think God wants to lead us back to the words that he's already spoken to his word that he has given to us that is living and active and tells us everything we need to know about who God is and how we are to live. It's just sometimes not all that, that easy. But that's what, you know, John didn't get some like special tailored message like, yo, you're my cousin, you're my bro, like it's going to be okay. The reality was it's not going to be okay. John was going to die in prison. And yet Jesus just reminds him of the truth of who he is. And that was his hope. And that satisfied John. And he says, this scripture needs to be enough for you. And so I think it just should really open our eyes to the fact that when we confront Jesus, like we were talking about, that our primary answer is in fact the scriptures. Yes, you might hear from God in other ways. But we see in the Gospel of John, it says that the word was God. And sometimes that's hard to believe that it's like, you know, the God of the universe has breathed life into these words that actually will speak to me and transform me. They're more than what, it's more than just words on a page. So if you only go through the scriptures, like if you approach the Bible as just a discipline, as just something to get through, and it's just a chore every day, it's probably not going to be something that jumps off the page and speaks to you. Or if you're like, you know what, I'm not 100% sure if this is the word of God, but, you know, it's some good advice, it's probably not going to be that transformative. But if you approach the scriptures that as the word that God has revealed himself in, that it is God speaking to you about himself, and that everything you need to know is there, and that he will speak to you through that if you seek him, and it may not always happen like the first time, you know, Sometimes I also want that. I'm like, I should have been fixed by now. (laughs) But when you dwell in the scriptures and you hear God speak to you over and over from that, you will be transformed and it will become, it will change your life. It will begin to be more than just words on a page. And I'm not saying to, I'm not saying that in terms of, you know, we don't want to use that as a cop out. You know, this may have happened to you before when, you know, you're struggling and someone's like, well, just read the Bible. And, And that's not, And that's not what I'm saying either. We need to be willing to sit with other people in Scripture 
together as well because that's something that is very important and is repeated often and seen often in scripture. Um, And if somebody else is struggling, yes, give them helpful verses, yes, guide them to scripture, but also guide them to a place where you can sit with them in that so that you get to a place where when you read scripture, you can hear from the Lord because other people have helped you do that and other people have sat with you in that. That's also important. But the main point here is that like John's answer to was Jesus the one or should I expect someone else? When we're asking those questions, we have to go back to the scriptures because that is exactly where Jesus says, no, I am the one. I was, am the one who was to come and I'm the one who has come. But never sit in your proverbial prison just questioning Jesus and decide to leave him out of it. Because when scripture, when scripture speaks, you're going to find comfort when there shouldn't be any comfort. You're going to find truth that transcends the, the, all the answers that our world, our political parties, social media has to say. It transcends all of that. It does not fit into any of those categories. It's not even possible. And you'll have a faith that doesn't make sense. So what happens after this? So let's kind of dive into this final piece of the passage today. So John gets his answer from Jesus, the scripture. John doesn't get to hear what comes next, though I bet he wish he did. And I'm sure in heaven he knows. But, um, but everyone there heard people come and ask this question from John. And then Jesus addresses them, and then he proclaims John to be the one from prophecy. So he also goes back to scripture to affirm his calling. Um, and then he tells them that there's no one greater than John, born of woman, like of all the prophets. Now, John didn't hear it, but Jesus was affirming his calling, and even though he was in prison, and even though he was going to die there, he was still the prophet. He had still done what he was supposed to do. John's circumstances and his ending did not define his calling or how the Lord saw him. Scripture was true of him regardless of the circumstances. And I think that's so important, because I think a lot of times when things aren't going well, we can think, maybe we're not in our calling. Um... Maybe I'm doing something wrong, all of these things. But you can be in pretty unfortunate circumstances and God can still be using you to do amazing things. And God can still be working in amazing ways. That does not mean that God has abandoned you. God works beyond that. But then if you look at verse 28, which, you know, which is really cool. It says, I tell you among those born of women, no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. And I think that's profound for not only all of us listening today, but for every believer that ever was, that if you are in the kingdom of God on this side of the cross, you're greater than John. And that sounds insane. But, But what does that mean? You know, John was anointed. He was a prophet, He obviously, we're going to get to chat with him in heaven, but here's the thing. He didn't get to live on this side of the cross. He he knew that Jesus was to come, but he didn't get to see the death, the resurrection. He didn't get to live in the fact that like Jesus covered all of our sins and we're completely justified by that. And that's something that we get to do. And so no matter how feeble your faith, if you know Jesus, we have the privilege of being validated, fulfilled, and whole just because Jesus came as Messiah, was crucified, and atoned for everything. We're 100% justified and greater than John because of this. 
So the reality is, is you may have doubts, you may not have money to offer, you may not have status to offer, you may feel like you have no ability to offer, that every person's better than you, they're better at ministry than you, their job, they're better parents, you may feel a lot of that. But the reality is, is if you know Jesus Christ, if you know the God of the universe, you have everything you need, you're completely justified, and you have everything you need to be whole and to be okay. And you don't need to worry about all of those things, that Jesus can actually meet you where you are and fulfill your calling right where you are with the things that you do have, and you don't need to compare yourself, and you don't need to think that you don't have enough, because we could never bring enough anyway. Jesus is what gives us our whole identity. And so we don't need to worry about what we have to offer because Jesus has it all and we're complete just because of that. And that's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think just like in closing here, just as you're thinking about your proverbial prisons, whatever they may be, um, whether you may be going through a circumstance right now or whether you go in one in the future, um, I want you to dwell on these things. Like what does it look like? Like do we automatically ask Jesus are you the one or should I look to something else and maybe you're not like literally asking that question but like are you kind of scanning the room are you scanning your life to be like okay what can give me my fix tonight you know what what are the things you run to whenever you feel like Jesus isn't fulfilling you I mean it's pick your poison we all have something there's tons of things in this world to look to and to and to try to grab onto that aren't Jesus but I think my challenge to you is this, much like John, don't keep it to yourself. Confront Jesus. Look to the scriptures because you will find the answers there by dwelling with the Holy Spirit in them because it is truly the word of God. And then finally, rest in the fact that you have been completely forgiven, atoned, and justified because what Jesus has done, and that's greater than anything you could imagine. And in fact, it says you're greater than John the Baptist, which again, crazy. And so that's my encouragement to you um, because I think it's just, I think especially in this season right now in our culture, it's easy to ask if Jesus is the one and then just say, you know what, you might be the one, but I'm not sure and I'm going to look in all these other directions, but maybe I'm not going to ask you about it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you that um, you love us. Thank you that you died for us and that we know life with you on the other side of the cross, that we have been forgiven, that we have been atoned, justified, and that you will meet us where we are. And though we may have nothing to offer, you <laughs> will make us greater and we will be great because of you, Lord. And you will give us things to offer because of who you are. So God, I pray that we would rely on the word of your scripture, that we re would rely on you. Um, and that we would include you in your word in all the things that we do. Amen. Um, so I know Chris said he had, um, so typically gives some reflection questions to think throughout the week. So, um, so some ones I came up uh, with just for you to think about, like as you kind of go on is, in what ways have you asked Jesus, was he truly the one to come, and how, may, how might you respond to this in light of today's message? So Again, I'm assuming we've all asked this in some way, shape, or form. So what have we been doing and how can we as people like kind of reframe that and seek, and seek Jesus in a different way? Um, how has scripture shaped your life and do you see it as God's word or just a book? Um, you know, start here because the thing is, is like if you, don't, if you don't pray and seek the Holy Spirit and you think it's just, it's just words, then yeah, it's not gonna be that meaningful to you. But when you live in 
to the fact that this is God's word to us is very transformative. And then how does knowing that the least in the kingdom are greater than John affect how you see yourself? Um, and again, I just think a lot of times we live in shame because none of us are perfect. And in some way, shape, or form, we sin every day. And a lot of times we, we don't think that God sees us how he, as he truly does. But if you're in Christ Jesus, this is like he sees you as perfected like Jesus is. And if when we finally grasp that, there's a, you, you can't be down on yourself in the same way because you know that, like, it just is what it is. There's nothing I can do to take that status away. As much as, as, much as we might think in our head that it can be taken, it can't. Um, and so my encouragement is to dwell on that. 